Today's episode contains depictions of violence against Indigenous people. We ask that you use your best judgment before listening. If you are an Indigenous person, please consider a form of self-care after listening. Thank you. Charlitha Maynard was a 36-year-old Lumbee woman from Robinson County, North Carolina. She was young, beautiful, and had three children. To one day in March 2007, Charlitha just vanished. This is the Red Justice Project. Chelsea mentioned Charlitha was from Robinson County, North Carolina, just like we are. Her sister Jackie described her as a friendly person in general, but also somebody who stuck to her guns. And here's a quick clip of Jackie speaking about her sister. Growing up, when I was really, really close, like any other sisters, fought just about every day. <laughs> Almost got weakened every day for fighting, because my mom was the only one that we had, and um, we had different dads. Uh, so my mother was the only one we had, and you know my mother, my mother, the best she could to raise us. You know she tried to work. One time she was trying to go to school. And Jackie and Charlita were both really close with their maternal grandmother, and Charlita was especially close with her grandma. Their grandma actually helped raise them and did everything she could to support them, even at times when their mama couldn't. And I definitely feel that grandmother connection. It's something we talk a lot about in the podcast. I know that, you know, for Brittany and I, we were really close for our grandmas and they really helped shape us into the people that we are today. That's definitely true. I was just talking about my grandmas today and my cousin sent me a video of our grandma. And so I think about my grandmas a lot and they definitely were totally instrumental in making me who I am. Yeah. And this was definitely the case also for Charlitha. So let's go back to March 19th. And again, this was in 2007. It was the day that 51-year-old, and his name's either Tony McEachern or Tony McEachern. We're not really sure, but we're going to call him Tony for most of the episode. Walked into the police department and filed a missing persons report for Charlitha Manor, who he said was his fiance. Tony's story at the time was that he last saw Charlitha leaving home on March 6th, so two weeks earlier, from their home near 78 Newton Drive in Red Springs, North Carolina. At the time, Tony said he was not sure where she was going, but that she did work as a babysitter and would often babysit overnight, although he did not say who she babysitted for, and there's really no records or indication from her family that she actually had a babysitting job um, that they knew of. And I'm still stuck on him waiting two weeks after the last time he saw her, but let's move on. So, actually, the day that he reported her missing was the day that he said they were supposed to get married, which, again, was March 19th. 
He also told the sheriff's department that he and Charlitha were planning a trip to Disney World that summer to celebrate their marriage. He's quoted saying, She's been through so much in her life. She just wanted to find somebody who was good to her, and I was good to her. But as we begin doing more research and looking into Charlitha's story, you'll see that some of the things in his story just don't add up. But at the time, Detective Drew Martin said he agreed with Tony's story and felt like she willingly left. And he doesn't believe that she was kidnapped, but he did think it was weird that she had not come back around to even get her clothes or her stuff. Yeah, and let me interject here and say, uh, like, yeah, you don't think it's really weird for someone who has no history of disappearing or leaving Robinson County at all to just up and leave without any clothes, any money, and at the time she didn't have a cell phone. Remember, this is 2007, so a lot of people have cell phones, but also a lot of people don't. So my BS radar for the story that Tony is initially telling, you know, would have been immediately going off if I was working at the sheriff's department. Right. I felt exactly the same way. Like, how can you call it weird, but then just think, okay, if that's what he says happened, then that's what happened. So once the police report is filed, Tony goes on his way and the sheriff's department does not, I repeat, does not reach out to the family to inform them that Charlita has been reported as a missing person by Tony. So a week or so later, the family actually hears from Tony, who tells them that Charlita is missing. And this is the story that Tony gives to the family. Now, keep in mind, once he tells the family she's missing, he never once reaches out to her family again, which is not exactly the behavior you would expect from a concerned fiancé. Yeah, like I said, she, she comes to me, or I think, so I'm not getting check on her to make sure she's okay or So, according to Charlitha's family, Tony told them that he and Charlitha were arguing on the evening of March 6th, and she left the house walking. He says that he saw her walking on Highway 71 in a green truck with a Hispanic guy driving, stopped, and she got in the truck with him, and that was the last time he saw her. Now, this is already a conflicting story than the one I told you earlier, which was reported in the newspaper and apparently told to the police upon the initial report being filed. Right, because earlier you mentioned that she left for a babysitting job and never returned, but now Tony is trying to say that she left home after an argument. Yes, exactly. And in the news report, it says that they were at 78 Newton Drive in Red Springs when she left, but at the time, Tony told her family that they were reportedly at his brother's home off of Lombardi Village Road, which is just a few miles away, and where he told her family that she was at when she took off walking. Now, I did some research. Both Newton Drive and Lombardi Village Road are directly off Highway 71 going from Red Springs, North Carolina to Lumberbridge, North Carolina, uh, but they are a few miles apart. If you're familiar with the big chicken plant on um, Highway 71 right outside of Lumber Bridge, Lombardi Village Road is right there. It's also important to point out that even though both roads are off of 
Highway 71, the home that Tony and Charlitha were reportedly at on Lombardi Village Road was much further down on the road and down a dirt road. Like you could not visibly see Highway 71 from where his brother lived. So he says that he saw her walking on Highway 71 and saw her get into a green truck and even described the person driving the truck as a man of Hispanic descent. So again, the story really is not adding up because he could not have even seen this from that house. And even if they were at their home on Newton Drive, I feel like you would have to be extremely close to the vehicle to see the person well enough to know that they're Hispanic. I mean, because I mean, think about it, that part, if they're just like a that could be a lumpy person that could be a light-skinned black person it could be a white person like you would have to be really close on the person or hear them speak and here's jackie again discussing the green truck theory um the only way he would have knew that which i'm sorry we never believe the story her family did not believe the story um the only way he would have knew that if he would have been standing beside the highway and also as an aside i also saw on one social media post that they had been driving and arguing and he let her out of the car on highway 71 and she started walking and got into the green truck but i think that that might just be another theory yeah because according to charlitha's family tony always stuck by the story that she left home walking and he saw her catch a ride with someone in a green truck so again, once the family finds out about Charlita's disappearance, they actually reach out to the sheriff's department to see what's going on. Jackie said each time she called, she felt like her questions were just falling on deaf ears. She kept getting brushed off and no one really took Charlita's case seriously. And the family really, really couldn't get anyone to call them back. And obviously, again, this was really concerning for the family. While Charlita did not lead a typical lifestyle, she was involved in things that, you know, she shouldn't have been involved in. She was not the type of person to just run away or leave Robinson County. Her life revolved around being in Robinson County, as so many Lumbee people's lives do. She had no history of running away, and she didn't have a steady job, so she didn't have a lot of money where she would have been able to just leave and start a new life. And she also stayed in really regular contact with her family members. In fact, her and her sister's birthdays were just a few days apart, and Jackie said she knew that no matter if her and Charlita were going through a rough patch or arguing or anything, Charlita always reached out to her on her birthday, and she never missed a single birthday of her sister's. Her disappearance was also just a few weeks before her oldest son's high school graduation, and that's not an event that Charlitha would have missed. Charlitha had three kids, and her oldest son lived with Charlitha's family, and years earlier, Charlitha had actually signed over custody to the two younger children's father because she knew he could provide a better life for them than she could. And while her mother and sister were angry at her for doing it at the time, looking back, they can see that Charlitha truly had her kids' best interest at heart and knew that they would have had a better outcome living with their dad and other family members. With so many milestones missed in the weeks after Charlita's disappearance, such as birthdays and graduations, her family knew right away something foul probably happened to her. As Chelsea mentioned, Jackie would call to see if anybody was looking in her sister's case, and this is what she has to say about that. The detective that got my sister's case the very first time that it was reported, he never reached out to none of her family um, or anything, and I would call and it just seemed like I just kept getting the brush off or whatever and things. Um, and then after that, it seems, you know, years goes by. 
The sheriff's department never reached out to take a statement from the family to ask if they had been in contact with Charlitha or to ask for any updated pictures for missing flyers, according to the family. In those first few weeks, months, and even years, not a single action was taken to the family's knowledge to try and locate Charlitha to make sure she was safe. There was also no official search conducted of the area where she went missing. It could be that things were happening by the sheriff's department behind the scenes for the investigation, but if it was, the family was never informed and there definitely was no media announcement of any sort. But Jackie did say that some years later, Detective Obershay with the Robinson County Sheriff's Department contacted her and said he was taking over her case. And it should be noted that Detective Obershay, I think he's still an investigator with the Sheriff's County um, today. So to his credit, he did actually reach out to her and even conducted a search with cadaver dogs of the home where Tony and Charlitha were reportedly at at the time on Lombardi Village Road. And, but the search yielded nothing. But he did stay in contact with Jackie for a little while before the case really went cold again. But some work was able to come out of Detective Obershay kind of getting involved and looking over the case, which I'll have Britt get into in a minute. But I just wanted to make um, sure that we note that by the time Detective Obershay actually stepped in and took on the case, Tony was actually dead. So Jackie doesn't know exactly when he died, but I did some research after we spoke and it looks like Tony died at the age of 54 in April of 2011. So about four years after Charlotte went missing. So any additional information he could have provided to Detective Obershay in the investigation went with him to the grave, unfortunately. Jackie said when she got word that Tony had died, she cried for a solid week because she knew that any answers he might have went with him. And I'll also note that in the small obituary I found for Tony, it listed his address still as that 78 Newton Road um, in Red Springs. So apparently he was still living there in the few years after Charlotte's disappearance. So Jackie shares with Detective Obershay the little bit of information that she knew about her sister's investigation. She said that she was told by Tony's nephew's girlfriend at the time that Tony's nephew actually witnessed Tony kill Charlita at their home. Jackie said that the girl wanted to share the story with her, so she had her aunt, who knew Jackie, reach out so they could get in contact with one another and she could share what her boyfriend told her about Charlita. According to Jackie, Tony's nephew would never come forward with the story. Jackie contacted Detective Obershay to tell him that someone had information and the two of them arranged to record the conversation between Jackie and the nephew's girlfriend so they would have it on record. Jackie went down to the police station and they did record the call. So during the conversation, Tony's nephew's girlfriend tells Jackie that the night that they were at Tony's brother's house on Lombardi Village Road, um, and I think his brother's name was Frederick. So they were at Frederick's house when the two of them started arguing in the car. Jackie said Charlitha had her body about halfway out of the car, kind of with her foot on the ground, uh, you know, outside of the car and her arm on the car door. And things really got heated during the argument. And Tony pulled out a gun and just shot and killed Charlitha point blank. It was then reported by the girlfriend that the nephew saw Tony and his brother roll Charlita up in an area rug and load her into the car and just drive off, supposedly to dispose of her body. The nephew said he did not know where the two men went and the occurrence of that night was never spoken of by anyone in the family again. That just sent like chills. 
looked at my body, but Detective Obershay said that in his reports, every single time Tony and his brother spoke to investigators, they had the same exact story and did not ever deviate. They never changed a word, and Detective Obershay actually looked into Tony's death because, as Chelsea mentioned, he had died under mysterious circumstances. And here is Jackie talking about that. And so we don't know what actually happened to Tony or if his death was accidental or intentional. And unfortunately, you know, this case surrounding Charlitha is filled with so many rumors and half-truths and so much of what we could possibly know went to the grave with Tony and also with his brother Frederick. I mean, so Tony's brother who lived on Lombardi Village Road died not long after Tony in 2012 at the age of 58. So any information he might have also had that night, you know, is gone as well. And this case is kind of reminding me so much of Lisa Holman and just thinking about how there was all these people who were involved and then they all died kind of one after another. I think her mama died, then her uncle, and then somebody else. And I don't know. It just makes me, I don't know. It's funny that you mentioned that, Brittany, because actually last night when I was talking to Jackie, she was said that she was reading through some of our older posts and she was like, I was actually reading about Lisa Holman's case and it reminded me of Charlita's. Wow. And I was like, it, it really does because, you know, same kind of circumstances where, you know, a young native woman is reportedly missing, but there's not much of an investigation done. They say that there's no foul play suspected and just very little effort to actually search for the person. Right. And I keep going back to that original report and the only news article that references the case and the way Tony called Charlita his fiance and said that they were only a couple weeks away from getting married. One, if my fiance, you know, somebody I'm in love with went missing, I would be trying to get on every news channel and tell everybody I know that he's missing. But Tony did not do that. And two, the family just doesn't believe that they were even engaged at all in planning a Disney trip. And they think it was all just a story for investigators. Part of the story he was telling me said that he and my sister was going to get married and was taking her to Disney World. Honey, you know my sister? So obviously Charlie's family knew her very well and you know she had never mentioned to them that she was planning on getting married or mentioned going on vacation with Tony you know nothing about the story he told including her leaving home made sense or sounded like the Charlitha that they knew. After her disappearance there was not a single report or sighting of Charlitha Maynard. No friends ever said she reached out to them, and Jackie said she knew something had happened to her because Charlitha visited their mother's grave often, and she always left little trinkets or, you know, sentimental things you might buy for a loved one's gravesite. Once Charlitha disappeared, Jackie said there were never any trinkets left at their mother's grave. Also, the last time that Jackie spoke with Charlitha was just a couple of weeks before her disappearance, and everything seemed fine. She gave no hints or clues that she would be leaving the area. To this day, there have been no sightings or any updates about where Charlita could possibly be. As we mentioned earlier, there's only ever been one local article in the newspaper about Charlita's disappearance. Y'all, one article for a missing person. 
There's this quote that we shared on social media recently from Anita Lucchesi from the Sovereign Bodies Institute about, you know, it's not just a fight for justice for our missing and murdered relatives and their families, but also a fight for representation. And the quote from Anita says, Our relatives go missing three times, once in life, in the data, and in the media. And what kind of justice are we giving these victims and their family members if we as a community are not sharing their names, their stories, or even announcing that this person is missing, you know, like, please be on the lookout for them. And I often think about how many more people we might find, how many Charlitas of the world we might know about if they got as much media attention as other people who were reported missing. In a twisted way, it's a privilege of having a missing loved one's name and face be blasted across media outlets to know that perhaps somebody cared enough to even share about their family member's image or for others to see it. And Jackie still holds out hope that one day her family will receive an answer about what happened to Charlita. She said many of their family members have passed away without ever getting that closure. Yeah, one thing um, that Jackie shared with me is that Charlitha, who, as we mentioned, was very close to her grandma, you know, total grandma's girl. She said, Grandma, when I die, I want to be buried next to you. So Charlitha's grandmother, who passed away in 2009, made sure that she had a marker placed for Charlitha at their church cemetery, you know, right near where her headstone was as well. So right now that um, marker is incomplete and just has Charlitha's name and birth date. But I just think about what a loving act, you know, for a grandmother to make sure that she did that for her. And Jackie said it actually took them a couple of weeks to tell her grandma, you know, that Charlita was missing because she was so worried about telling her and uh, like afraid that it would actually give her a heart attack. Because, of course, when they did finally tell her, she did not take the news well. And, you know, as you can imagine, it was really hard on her. And here's Jackie talking about the hope she still holds out. At the time of her disappearance, Charlita was about five foot three inches, weighed around one hundred and fifty pounds, and had hazel eyes and brown hair. She was reportedly wearing a white shirt, blue jeans, and a blue windbreaker jacket with white stripes on the sleeves of the jacket. If you have any information about Charlitha or know anything about her disappearance, I urge you to come forward to the Robinson County Sheriff's Department. She still has a family that needs closure. Thank you for listening. Source materials and show notes can be found on our website, redjusticepodcast.com. You can follow us on social media at Red Justice Podcast. We appreciate you all for taking the time to learn about Indigenous true crime stories and how they are a part of the foundation of our nation and reverberate throughout our Indigenous communities today. This is the Red Justice Project. <laughs>